Hey everyone, it's Matt and Lucas. We got a quick announcement for you. As some of you may have noticed, we've been kind of alluding to revamping the website a little bit um, and adding some new content on there. Super excited to announce as of this episode, we are officially live with the website. Go check it out. Thanks for playing .live. We got a lot of exciting written content on there from everything covering from, you know, our reviews like on Hogwarts Legacy, some think pieces, some reviews on games we're not even going to do for the podcast, but exclusive to the website like uh, Destiny 2's Lightfall and a lot of other great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. You know, uh, it's been a lot of work basically this year. Matt and I made it a big goal for the podcast to actually have more written content out there. Um, you know, for those of you who've been listening for a while, we've always been in growth mode, you know, trying to promote the yes. pod, trying to get our voices out there. And thanks for playing Dot .live. Um, we're looking to turn into a real content-driven website with, one, all of our regular reviews that we do. So you could always check there for basically the written version of every review we do for this podcast. But additional reviews that we don't have time for for the podcast that are covered by a wide variety of our contributors. Um, Hot Mickey, as you know, a contributor uh, Chambers, who's been on this, um, producer Sam, um, Hyalette, Orion, a uh, lot of great people, including some new voices who maybe you guys haven't heard of before. So check out Thanks for Playing Live for the latest and greatest in video game, nerd culture, movie, TV content. And we hope to see you there. Now for the episode. Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Woo! I'm back. I'm back. You're back. You're gone for I'm one back. week. I was gone for one week. It was weird. It was weird. I kind of on principle refused to listen to the episode. Um, it's like, what if it was good? Well, you didn't <laughs> listen to it? Because I didn't want to know how good it was without me. Wait, really? What? I, yeah. You should still listen to it. I'm going to listen I'm kind to of, it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Well, it did have an audio first, issue, so. I know. Yeah, it turned me off quite a bit. But that is either here nor there. Um, we are joined by a couple guests today. Uh, first off, we got the wonderful Hylet. Hylet, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on again. I'm really excited for this one. Hell yeah. Awesome. This is be good. Oh, my God. And then, of course, we are joined by none other than our newest podcast contributor, Chambers. What's up, fellas? How you doing? Oh, God. If you hear that silky smooth, wow, it's like chocolate milk. God damn. <laughs> I needed to go for um, impression. Everyone, Chambers intro. is... What an intro, yeah. Chambers is joining the podcast as a contributor. He'll be doing some really cool... Well, I don't want to spoil anything yet, but he'll be doing a lot of really cool stuff with us, not even you know outside of just podcast recordings. So we're super excited for that. Uh, fun fact, if you go to our website, thanksforplaying.life, he actually took the photos of me and Lucas looking like esports fools with our arms crossed like jackasses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like two years ago. That was a while ago. My finest words. Yeah. Pretty cringe. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Chambers, the people got to know. The people got to know what they're working with here. Chambers, what is your favorite video game of all time uh, um okay i'll probably just be a nostalgia pick and i'll go with halo 3 um i know okay. that's a good pick that's a, that's a solid pick okay that's, i know that's basic that's one um that's that's like the guy that says naruto is his favorite anime you can't hate him yeah definitely <laughs> i've, I've probably sunk more hours Unhateable. into that than any other game so i 
but current favorite is Rocket League. So, yeah, you, you want to tell the, the people where, where where your Rocket League rank is, real quick? Uh, my current rank, I'm champ one in twos and threes, and then I don't even think God I'm damn. ranked in ones. I think I'm last time I was ranked, I was like diamond one. I'm pretty bad at. And how, how far is cha- is championship? That's the top rankers. There one more after that. No, so uh, it works kind of <laughs> no, like. No, there's not. <laughs> just unfortunately, casually. not. I wish I was that good. It works kind of like how uh, like Apex is, where there's like multiple champ ranks. It, champ one is the right. lowest in champ, and there's champ one through three. Then there's, and there's grand. one after champ two. Grand. No, okay. there's grand champ one through oh. three, and then there's supersonic legend, um, which. That at that point you're getting matched up with pros and stuff. So I'm right. pr- I'm in the top two percent of the player base. Though, so. dang, I love it. Super sick, super sick. I, I highlight. I, I could tell Tim's like, what the fuck? Who, who's in this lobby with me right now? I know. <laughs> I'm I'm next to royalty, boys. Heads <laughs> <laughs> up, yeah. Pretty exciting. We didn't expect that bombshell to drop here on this podcast recording. Um, Awesome. Yeah. Chambers, thanks for joining, man. Um, obviously we've been, we've been gaming and, and hanging out for a while and, and hanging out a lot more lately and, you know, just seem like a natural fit rocket league, you know, pre pro guy, um, video game guy and, you know, podcast contributor, TFP contributor. Um, we all have one thing in common though, that I'll get into right here. Uh, but first Matt wants to plug the socials. I could tell. I do. I do. Uh, everyone, as a friendly reminder, as always, you can shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at TFP Podcasts. That's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. And actually, if you go on YouTube and type in thanks for playing, scroll down a bit because the SEO isn't great. You'll probably find one of our interviews at some point. We have posted our interviews that we do on um, our YouTube channel. We've had some cool ones with Dennis Dyack. Young, Young Ben, ben Dennis Dyack. Uh, most recently, Alexander Lee from Digiday regarding the 100 Thieves layoffs, which is still very topical as esports is kind of in shambles right now. Um, <laughs> go check it out. They're really good interviews. Listen to the podcast episode. Watch the video on YouTube. Uh, it's good stuff. And in the link tree of any of the social media handles I had mentioned previously at TFP Podcast with an S at the end, you can find the link to our Discord. Come hang out in the Discord. Great place to meet everyone, hang out. we got a good little community in there talking about really kind of anything that's going on in the gaming and really pop culture zeitgeist uh at large it's a good time come hang out and yeah i think that i think that's those are the plugs yeah that's all of them great um okay boys we all got one thing in common and that is we just watched the last of us finale for season one mm-hmm. um last of us obviously has been super super on the map lately um we just played the game recently obviously to coincide with the drop of this premier prestige HBO show um, starring Pedro Pascal and Bell Ramsey um, obviously has been the talk for the last nine week nine ish weeks are we nine or ten weeks on this one I know it's nine episodes it nine but weeks. Yeah. yeah nine weeks um, and wow what a ride that was right I think there were it was a tough show to watch at times uh, really fun and exciting to watch at times it was man uh, we'll jump into initial thoughts I think it was one of the best video game adaptations, probably the best video game adaptation there's ever been. Matt, initial thoughts, what you got? Well, first, I want to get some clarification really quickly. Uh, Chambers, did you play the game as well or did you only watch the show? I did. I did play the game, but I I played it whenever the the first remaster came out. So 
it's been a while. I I re- refresh yeah. my memory more so like when I listen to twenty fifteen or sixteen or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. I forgot a lot of stuff. I realized when I heard your guys's review. Um, but yes, definitely cool. Cool. So, yeah, my initial thoughts. Um, I was skeptical. You know, uh, HBO generally speaking has a good track record. Obviously, they know how to put a lot into, you know, they know how to make a good show. I mean, HBO, like I said, they have a good track record, but gaming historically hasn't had a great track record of being adapted into whether it's uh, any kind of media, whether it's TV show or movies, what have you. Um, I think a TV show was the right choice here because it needed to be a longer form thing to be able to tell a story properly. I can't even imagine that they try to fit this up into three hours or two and a half hours, whatever it would have been a mess. Um, so that was good, but I was overall skeptical of the idea but, you know, once started watching it, very much pleasantly surprised. You know, I think that the first episode was almost barring the intro and kind of the kind of opening exposition where Sarah's like um, going around the town and talking to people doing whatever. It is largely a lot of it is shot for shot with the with the game and many right. parts of it. Um, and that first episode is probably shot for shot more so than any episodes in the series, actually, for like cutscenes for the game and stuff. But um. Yeah, I mean, I think they crushed the first episode. You know, I think they absolutely earned people's trust after that. And I was looking forward to it week over week. And there were certain points where I, you know, in the beginning, I was like, all right, I got to watch this every Sunday, right? When I can, right? When it comes out. And then like midway, I was like, all right, I can wait a couple days if I'm busy. It's not a big deal. But um, I mean, it held my interest. Obviously, I know the story, so I knew what to expect. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to kind of talk more about it. Yeah. Tim, initial thoughts. How excited were you going in? I know we had talked about it before as it was coming out. What, what do you think? You know, I'm kind of into the math camp of things walking in. I was really skeptical because the game narrative is just so fucking good. And this is a story that this game is near and dear to my heart, too. As we talked about in the Last of Us game pod, like I wrote on this shit. So I played the yeah. first one several times. I'm pretty intimately like connected with that story. So I have like cause for hope pedro pascal i enjoy his work on a mandalorian i haven't seen him in anything else so for me this was kind of like oh let's see let's see if he has it right right sorry tech difficulty the fact that um hbo was going to be the network gave me a little bit more hope but i was entering the fuck this is going to be way more overhyped um than like the quality is but I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, the first episode, I was bought in, locked in from the get-go. What really got me in the first episode were the differences and the decisions they already started making from game from translating the game into a TV series. Like we get a lot more context of like Sarah's day and all the events leading up to the outbreak. So from then on, I was like, okay, maybe like there's something special. And it did a great job holding my interest. I think playing the game and knowing what happens actually gave me a different type of dread that worked really well. So I think, you know, speaking to merit of the show, it made me want to keep coming back. Um, I watched it almost every Sunday. Only time I wasn't kept up was if I was busy. But overall, I thought the show did an excellent job translating and adapting the game into a TV series. I think it made a lot of smart decisions um, in changing mediums. Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, shout out. They really 
really sold that they were Joel and Ellie. Um, mm-hmm. Towards the end, yeah. I can safely say like that that's who they are. So I'm actually really excited to see how they adopt the second one. I have to play the second one now uh, before <laughs> it comes out. But overall, um, yeah, I loved it. It's probably on the Mount Rushmore TV shows for me. And I'm okay saying wow, that right nice. now. Nice. Very rare that you and I have similar opinions. I let, just had to <laughs> put that out there. This is a big, this is a big one. Say, I think we're more alike than we're different, Matt. I don't like this narrative of you know, dividing the fan base <laughs> or anything like that. Don't tell them that. It's for... <laughs> no, we got to keep this, off, going. We gotta keep this narrative yeah. going, guys. It creates conflict. It gets retweets. Yeah. Chambers. Cha- <laughs> <Please>. Yeah. Chambers, <laughs> what are your what are your initial thoughts, man? Uh, I was I was like both these fellas here. I was uh I was very afraid that this was going to be a bad show. Obviously, if if there's one video game to be successfully adapted into a TV show, I think this is the game like the writing is just so insane, but um, I've been on this HBO train where I was watching House of the Dragon, and in that Sunday time slot, I'd get hammered with ads for uh, White Lotus, and so I was like, "All right, I'll watch White Lotus." And then I watched that show, <laughs> and I just get getting hammered with ads for Last of Us, and I was like, "All right, I guess I'll watch the first episode. Like, it's probably gonna suck because it's a video game, but." Um, yeah, amazing. I think it might be on my Mount Rushmore for HBO shows for sure as well. Um, the, yeah, that first episode I remember like, cause I watched it with my girlfriend who never played the game, like the side by side, like I know what's going to happen and she doesn't know what's going to happen. Like that was, that was a really interesting first watch and after that first episode i was immediately sold and along for the ride yeah me too yeah me too Uh, i i want to kind of go through some things here in terms you know we all played the game you know i watched the you watched the show chambers with somebody who hadn't played the game tim did did you watch um, with somebody who hadn't played the game before as well or everyone i watched it with my wife becca she watched me play the game here and there when i was writing my thesis but she wasn't like she didn't know a lot of what was going on like, yeah. when I was playing. So we watched the show together and it definitely is a trip just knowing what's happening and being like, yeah. okay, this part might be a little more fucked up than like you expect. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was tight. It was tight. Like kind of reliving the narrative through someone like through someone's eyes who hasn't seen any of it before. Yeah, I wanted to talk through some of what they did, which I think some were positive, some were negative, but there was a lot of changes that were actually made in in this adaption that went on. And, you know, one thing, like the very first scene of the show is not in the video game, right? And it's like from the 60s, like a talk show episode where they're talking about a pandemic. And then one guy goes, you know what we really need to be worrying, at, worrying about is fungus. Fungus do this. They're the biggest threat talks about global warming for a second somehow being very prophetic about global warming which was which was great um and then it we cut to modern times where it's about 2002 ish bush era usa and the outbreak happens right and then everything kind of continues forward by the book within the game um now there's a few things guys i just got a list here um the spores there's no spores in the air there's no gas masks in this in this uh tv show um Bill and Frank, obviously very, very different. I want to talk about that in a bit. Um, the infected can communicate via like the vines of cordyceps. I don't know. I want to talk about that. I don't know if I bought that that much or how much that really mattered. Um, 
Sam and Henry were changed pretty significantly, um, although, you know, one one could argue not very significantly. Um, they added some new characters like Kathleen um, in a new city, which was Kansas City as opposed to Pittsburgh. Um, and just the additional details on how the outbreak of the virus happens, right? Like Joel, Pedro Pascal, literally it, through exposition explains how the virus actually broke out in episode three, which to my knowledge, when we played the game was not elaborated on unless I missed some sort of ancillary information inside the video game. Um, but just going through, uh, like Matt, did you like most of those changes or was it not doing it for you? Like what was your favorite change? What was your least favorite change? Yeah. Uh, by far, my favorite. I mean, do you want to go through this point by point here? It's going to be built, right? Just, yeah. We I can mean, all talk. We, 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 give us your favorite. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, Bill and Frank, 100%. Um, the way they treat those characters. Oh, hell yeah. 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 Spin facts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I think anyone that played the game, that'll probably be their favorite change, barring any homophobes. Um, but I mean... <laughs> You know, what was so beautiful about those characters in that episode, you know, obviously Bill plays a very specific role in the game where he helps you through like a town on your way to, I guess in the game, it's Pittsburgh. Um, and he's like very much a similar character at his core where he's like a survivalist, doesn't really trust people, wants to live alone. But in the game, there's no Bill. And then in the show, you know, we get introduced to Bill. Um, but the whole time, you know, once we see the relationship starts to build this really beautiful buddy relationship. And the whole time in my back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, fuck, it's going to go sour, isn't it? Because in the game, um, in the game, Bill actually kills himself, but not in nearly as romantic, romantic or beautiful it's as Frank way. that kills himself. Frank just, kills himself. Oh, Frank. excuse me, Frank. I got yeah, it. I think it's Frank, up. right? Yeah. Okay, no worries. I got them both mixed up there. Frank killed, yeah. But Frank, he, yeah. he Frank hangs himself. himself. He hangs himself and he leaves a really nasty suicide note basically saying, you know what, Bill, I've, I've always hated you kind of thing, right? So I'm watching the show and the whole time I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to go so sour. It's going to be so depressing. Um, but while, you know, it did ultimately still end with a suicide, it was, the journey there was so beautiful and the culmination of that suicide, barring being sad, of course, because it is suicide, was still like very, very well done and very beautiful and I cried like a little baby. Yeah, <laughs> me too, me too. What'd you guys think of that third episode there? I think it was called, it's called Long, Long Time. Um, you know, at the second longest episode of the whole season at an hour and 15, basically a feature film in the middle of the show. Um, Tim, what'd you think? Um, I cried like a little baby for a good <laughs> while afterwards. To me, it was one of the best hours of television period that I've seen in a long time. I don't know if it's the best, but it's definitely up there for a lot of the reasons Matt echoed. Um, but thematically, I think that episode did so much to really root the purpose and the why of all the characters we come across. Um, not to skip ahead too much into the finale, but the finale really cauterized. Like this is a story about love and how love impacts us and drives us or kills us in a lot of ways. Right. And just to have a story about two really unlikely characters complete opposite ends of the spectrum, finding love, finding purpose, being able to create something beautiful in the midst of this gnarly pandemic and outbreak, um, especially after two episodes where we really see like the worst of the hordes that we, you know, I think we've seen 
for a minute. Um, everything's so desolate. Everything's so bleak. This hour is showing like there can be some type of hope and that hope comes through love, but it's a bitch to maintain. So I think thematically the show just laid down some really good ten poles just to like reflect upon as we chip away at each episode and we start seeing like Joel rediscovering his love in terms like as a father, Ellie kind of finding love as a daughter to this father and love driving everybody's decisions on some kind of level. Love so, driving quarter sets too. It was just too. beautiful. Love drew that quarter set. <laughs> I, I don't know if I like that line. We could we can get into it. Chambers, what'd you think of Bill? Yeah. Uh, it was basically that one scene in Up extended edition, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was I. This was probably my favorite episode. Um, uh, man, yeah, I I cried as well at the end of this episode. I didn't realize how long it was, but um. Yeah, I thought it was going to end like way more sourly than it did. Um, but um, yeah, it was really beautifully acted because there there was there was another episode later with Ellie and her friend that I felt like was trying to do a similar thing. Trying to be the this. same episode. Yeah, and that episode wasn't hidden like this one. Um, like even kind of the the backgrounds of the two characters like one one is like this prepper right wing like gun guy and the other one is like like way more like way more femme like um kind of like positive and optimistic and the way it really like was able to touch on these nuances in their relationship was was beautiful um yeah yeah, I agree. Yeah. I loved the like they're they meet. There's like that really awesome dinner that they have and they, they play piano and all that stuff happens. Then you smash cut to like three years later and they're in the middle of like a committed relationship argument where Bill's just like <laughs> Frank's just like, why can't I make the street beautiful? What's wrong with you? And he's like, you're still a fucking alt-right like prepper that thinks the government wants to screw everything up and bill's like the government does want to screw everything up and it's it's like total you get like this very human reaction amongst this like crazy apocalyptic scenario of these two guys just like in love fighting and arguing like a committed long-term married couple you know and like i just loved that whole thing and then at the very end when they kind of like you know he tells them like hey this is my last day and here's what we're going to do. I was crying on that. But honestly, that's the part that kind of like was a big gut punch for me. Like, hey, you're going to take me shopping. We're going to have a nice dinner. And like, I'm going to die tonight because like I'm in too much pain. It's ah, that was that was um, quite quite an ending. Now, I, I want to talk about real quick, um, just a few minor things in terms of the changes that were made. How do we feel about the infected being able to communicate via vines that happened in one scene? Is that, was that, was that something they wrote and then forgot about? What do you guys think? It's weird that it was only in one scene. Right. There, there should have been way more times where that was like an issue. I feel it, like it just was not an um, issue. It was issue once. Is it all? It's only in one scene. Is it the, the one with Tess? Like the one with Tess oh, sacrificing okay. herself. Yeah. 
Like they want the rest of the infected get alerted because the, the mushroom, like the fungi knows how to talk to itself and like alert itself to danger. Cause it's like a big hive mind kind of thing. So they imply that the yeah. infected are a hive mind, but they're, they're kind that's the only time it comes into play. I just thought that was a weird choice. Tim, you got an explanation for that one? No, honestly, that was one thread I was hoping to see manifest deeper on as the show progressed. Because uh, there's that sense like, oh, ever-growing. It created like more ever-growing danger that went nowhere. Like once episode two passed, we never hear about the hive mind or see it manifest again. And I think, I don't know if they forgot about it or maybe it's going to come up in season two. Maybe. But I was like, really cool idea. Like, I was actually digging like, okay, I get it. Like, we're changing the lore and, you know, the zombies are more dangerous because now they're all of one mind and we see five zombies maybe total after that episode. Yeah. Aside yeah. from the Kansas City. They, they, they all had like shared vision to like the, like Renegon or something. Like, oh, oh God. <laughs> that would be ter terrifying. <laughs> how, how do you feel? I thought about it was a cool idea that just didn't manifest. It it, yeah. Maybe, weird. maybe it's later. Maybe it comes in season two maybe. with whatever changes they make then. Uh, how do we feel about the additional details on just cordyceps in general and like how the outbreak happened and Indonesia and the, you know, flower factory, all that stuff. Is that, that do, I, I felt like that did a lot for the show to be perfectly honest. I loved it. Cause they did mention in the game too. There's one point where it's mentioned that it, it's all happening in Jakarta, I believe. Um, but that the start of episode two in particular was, uh, was really, really, really well done. Um, just seeing the pure fear on the, that woman doctor when she realizes how fucked we are and she's like just bomb us bomb like, bomb everything just, like we're gonna die like we're fucked just that <laughs> that pure realization and the military guy's just like uh, uh. he's like wait <laughs> you're joking right like yeah um yeah. that was uh that was pretty fun to watch it really 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 added a lot to the show i think and then the beginning of episode three as well i really i really enjoyed the snippets into prior life or like very very early pandemic I agree. Um, I agree like with that. The beginning of episode three where it shows um, mm. everyone getting carted off um, like Fedra, you know, unfortunately for that group, taking them to their deaths, basically, as was implied. But um, showing them getting carted off and like showing everyone that, you know, if you weren't in the city, you weren't necessarily fucked right away. I thought was interesting. Like it was truly well, well, obviously it did spread extremely quickly. It was very much spread in the in the sense of how any other kind of illness would be spread where it's the highly dense, the highly populated places that will get screwed over first. And then, you know, the outliers, the survivors will be from like the countryside and stuff like that. So I was glad they incorporated that. Um, and it was fun to see. Yeah. I loved whenever Ellie asked questions about like, oh, is this how it was or what happened? Like, what is this encampment? And like, even in the last episode, she says, what's this? Is this Fedra? And he says, no, this is army. So even like these little details of, it may have been in the game, but for some reason it just hits as like a real like solid detail in the show a little bit harder. And like Joel says things like, yeah, we didn't know what we were in for back then. Like we had no idea what, what was going to happen. And you know, here's the army doing their thing. Fedra doing their thing. This happened. This QZ got all screwed up. These people rebelled. And just hearing Pedro Pascal say it for some reason just feels great when he's just like, yeah, sh shit was fucked up, man. Like, it's so awesome. <laughs> we had to have it's our interesting about delivered. how, <laughs> sorry, what was that Chambers? I, I said we had to have our groceries delivered for like six months. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Remember that? Um, I thought it was interesting how it was kind of implied. There were like competing government factions at one point too, with 
you know, with um, the army and then Fedra, which obviously Fedra became like the predominant one. Um, do we have any real life Fedra equivalent? FEMA, I think it's supposed to be FEMA is the thing. Um, I think, yeah. right? FEMA. Okay. Yeah. It's supposed to be like yeah, an yeah. emergency response department that the federal government can, can, you know, blast off into every city. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting though. I really enjoyed seeing all that, like kind of explained real quick on that note. Maybe I just totally forgot in the game or just like somehow glanced over this. I don't remember the story of Joel trying to kill himself in the game. Was that just for the show? That was just in the show, right? It's very, very subtle in the game. I actually had to look back and, um, and research it because I was curious. So do you guys remember seeing like a skeleton of somebody that did kill themselves? And Ellie makes some comment of like, Oh, like he, they took the easy way out, and Joel says, "Oh, he says like, not it's that never easy. easy. It's not that oh, easy. so yeah. that I think is alluding that Joel might have okay. done something, but nothing to the level of the conversation they had." Yeah, I was even, kind like, of talking um, about flinching and shit. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I understand that was like Joel trying to like have a come to Jesus moment with Ellie, like trying to really open up to her, but. Oh no, that was one edition I wasn't necessarily a fan of, and I can't put my finger on it why exactly. Um, it feels shoehorned in, or it feels it feels it felt, a it felt bit. very forced. Like, oh, I have this scar, by the way. Like, I just totally would have assumed that scar was just like, uh, like literally anything else. Um, and then, all around the topic of that episode too, I don't think the show needed um, Ellie's birth. I I hard agree there. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not glad sure we got to, to see Ellie's video game actress play something. She I mean she played the role very well. And man, you could totally just like her yells. I'm like, there's Ellie. Like when she was just <laughs> trying to fend off the infected. I'm like that literally sounds verbatim Ellie from the game. Um, so I enjoyed seeing her perform it, but I don't. It, this is weird because I'm generally a fan of like I want these things explained. You know, like. I want to know what caused the walking dead virus. But like for this one thing, I'm like, I enjoyed it more when Ellie was just this mystery child that was somehow immune, right? Like that was just nature versus there being some, Oh, she was bitten while still attached to the umbilical cord. Yeah. It feels a little like, I don't think we really need it. I think it actually takes knowing it does take away a little bit of a mystery that I would have liked that I liked in the video game where it's like, Oh, Ellie's just immune, some sort of mutation, something's going on. You don't really need to know. You just, the important thing is that she's immune. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Chambers. What do you think? I think the only thing I would say that, I mean, it, it felt a little bit like a time filler because that, I think that episode was only like 45 minutes long. It was a very short finale. That was such yeah. a short finale. It that was, was a very short finale. But I, I think the, the positive I got from that was that um, it informed a little bit of like Marlene's decision making, like when she's face to face with Joel of like she also has like an emotional connection to Ellie. Um, so she, she understands why Joel feels the way that she does. Um, that the payoff is that dialogue between her and Joel before Joel goes absolutely bonkers and kills everybody where Marlene's like, yeah. I'm the only one that actually understands what you're going through. Yeah. What do you think, Tim? Highlight Tim. Um, Jeez. I'm, are we calling you Highlight or are we calling was... you Tim? I like, I'm still, you haven't landed. I whatever's like natural to you, baby. Like, uh, okay, okay. I'm whatever you I, want I might, I might be, be switching between the two. That's fine. Um, 
I was, I don't feel strongly one way or the other about that scene. Like I did agree like, oh, cool. The immunity is explained, I guess. That's neat. Sweet, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I think it did a really good job with developing the emotional stakes that Marlene has into this because we haven't seen her since the first episode, essentially, or second episode. And in, I think it's similar in the game. She kind of bookends the entire journey. So I think giving her an opportunity to like develop an emotional stake and add more meat to that dialogue she has with Joel, which is pretty much ripped from the game, I thought helped and made it a little bit more interesting. So honestly, like if the scene didn't have, or if they didn't have the dialogue later of like, oh, the immunity was because of the umbilical cord, that's crazy, then like I think it would have been better. Like I think they tried to do too much in one scene when it should have just been about Marlene killing her best friend and understanding what's at stake. I gotta, I gotta say though, the scene was fucking hardcore. Like when, when, um, I don't even know what, what's the mom's name. Do we even know? Uh, Anna, 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 Anna. Was her name. when Anna, I keep wanting to call her Ellie since this is the voice actor, but when Anna, when she like literally just from the stress of trying to like get that, the clicker or not clicker, the, the runner just off regular her. infected, regular infected when she like literally that stress she's like oh fuck i popped it out like <laughs> just like the oh shit i just gave birth like that was just like i was like whoa this is intense like <laughs> it was just so hardcore and then she was just like oh fuck. i don't know it was just for what it was even though i don't I'm not a fan of explaining it the way they did it was a very cool and intense and well done scene and well acted by, by all parts so uh sam and henry I want to talk about them for a moment here, everybody. Uh, I'll start first. I loved the additional information as to why Henry is the most wanted man in Kansas City. That scene between him and Pedro Pascal, him and Joel, where he explains, like, here's why I'm wanted. I had to sell out the leader of the resistance in order to get medicine for my little brother who is who is dying. That was awesome. And that was such a great payoff because it was basically an episode and a half of kind of wondering what was going on. Because Henry's like, where's Henry? Where the fuck is Henry? Everybody like wants him. And then they you get that awesome payoff at the end. I thought that was awesome. Um, and then on the flip side, I just, you know, they made the big, one of the big changes from the adaption is they made Sam deaf in this game. So um, key character, key side character in the video game who talks with Ellie is a relatable kid to Ellie. Um is deaf in in the TV show. Uh, I'm I while I appreciate and will always appreciate inclusivity in all its forms in any popular media. I just I, I don't I just feel like it was a little bit of a change that was shoehorned in quite a bit. Um, mechanically, it doesn't it, nothing changed. They didn't take advantage of it in a real way. I thought um, there was no additional sense of danger or you know. Nothing really besides the character being deaf or the actor is also deaf as well. And um, I just don't think it added anything to the mechanics and the story of the thing that played out. You guys agree with that or are we, we going to debate this one? Uh, I, I won't I won't debate that there wasn't anything added in from him being deaf. Um, I think it's cool that a deaf actor got a chance to play a really important role in a TV show. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But I'm talking purely from a story standpoint. No, I don't think it made a difference. Yeah. Whereas like the Bill Frank change was very significant. It made a huge change. They made a, they got, you know, a whole story. They got a whole episode out of it. Whereas I, yeah. I just don't feel like the Sam change 
did a whole lot. But I mean, I could be wrong. What do you guys think? Chambers, Tim Hylett, um, all you boys. I I, I feel similarly, but like uh, I I do think that it was it was cool. like if you if I had knew nothing about the game, I would be okay with with this like it it is shoehorned oh, i want to think twice about it yeah, yeah if like having played the game it does feel very shoehorned um and everything but um i think knowing the also knowing the storyline about henry why he's hated and stuff i feel like i should have found out about that a little earlier just because oh dang uh by the time i find out why kathleen wants to kill him i've already made up my mind like Yo, fuck Kathleen. She sucks, and like, I'm not, <laughs> well, she still sucked. She, she sucked did, no matter. She what. does still suck, but I already made up my mind. Like, I don't care. Like, what this dude did. Like, I'm I'm still gonna hate Kathleen. Like, she still sucks <laughs> way too much. So I don't know. I, I kind of wish that I would have able would have been able to like grapple with with that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't like too that they made. Uh, they made um, Sam much more. Wait, which one's the older one? Henry. Henry's the older Henry's brother. the older brother. Henry was like much more of a, a wuss in this one. Like he's like, I've never killed nobody. Yeah, he was <laughs> really. Yeah, he was. Meanwhile, in the in the in the game, he was much more of like someone you could count on. Um, not that big a deal. I just I, I liked that version of Henry a bit more. I will say though, having him not having killed or shot anyone before. It did make the scene where he did have to shoot Sam much more impactful because that was the first yeah. person he ever killed. Yeah, his own little brother. Yeah, and the yeah. second person he killed himself. Ooh, true. Pretty, pretty messed up. Um, yeah. Um, how do we feel about Kathleen in general? The the a complete fresh character was not in the video game whatsoever at all. Uh, did she land get, for you um, guys? Before we get on to Kathleen, real quick, one more thing I want to say about Sam and Go Henry. Ahead. Sam's death scene. No, Henry's death scene. Excuse me. Well, Sam Ellie's and Henry's rea- Yeah. Henry, when, when Henry shoots himself. Yeah. Ellie's reaction to that is the best reaction I've seen to a death in any medium ever, I think. Whoa. Not like a drawn out, like, ah, like, or anything like that. Or even in the game, I think it was more played up or they just cut to black or something. But like the, there's the subtle, like, Yelp, like ah, uh, from like obviously much more better from Brandon Ramsey, <laughs> but like that little that little Yelp was of like pure, um, that's like what true shock sounds like. Like, mm-hmm. I I just thought that was so so well done, and I'm like that is exactly what true shock is when like something unexpected and disgusting happens. That like I've said to you, that is true shock, and then like there's the reaction, the tears. That is, that was really fucking good acting. I thought I was very impressed. Yeah, I agree. My, Can my I also go back and watch that on YouTube? Go ahead. I also want to say I I don't know why Ellie thought that just like getting some of her blood on him would work. I was like, <laughs> I know that's <laughs> like, silly. Come, Ellie. come on, that's a that's a weak weak try right there. I know, I know I you're like only fourteen, the, but come on. I kind of wish that because in the game Ellie or Hen- Sam didn't tell Ellie. I kind of wish yeah. that that was the case still. Yeah, I mean, I actually was I, okay I, there with is, that. You were okay with that one? one I was actually really okay with it because it really came across as a desperate moment. Like everyone's been told or everyone's been telling this girl, like she's a cure, she's a cure. She's got that magic, you know, she's got that magic in her. So I think that that scene right there of like, (laughs) 
sure. Yeah, um, she got the immunity. So I think like that right there is like she really wants to like really believe that everything everyone's been telling her about her is true. So I kind of like that moment of desperation. It can't, it came off corny. I'm willing to give it that, but I think the thought behind it, I appreciated more. And I just going to shoehorn a quick thing about Sam. I thought it was fucking stupid that he was like, <laughs> younger and like they made him well, deaf. Like, I'm stupid. all for doing the decision making to make him younger and deaf. Cause not only did not yeah, add anything story, huh? I think it was, also just really cheap, like a really cheap way to make us emotionally care more when good writing and good acting should have made me do that. So it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like we brought a deaf character. Let's fucking kill him off in the saddest way possible. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that decision actually made me kind of mad. One thing I, I had an issue with too on that whole ending of that episode was like just sort of the logic behind all of what was going on. Like Ellie could have given him the blood and then gone over the next room and gone like, yo guys, he got bit. Like, can we tie him up? Maybe like, True. can we duct tape him to the bed and see if he turns? Like we could avoid all this, you know, it's like, no, it, cause she knows because, Joel would immediately like either take her and leave or kill him. Well, I mean, well, that's better than like, I don't know. It just seemed like out of, it, it did seem a little bit out of character for Ellie to not be, to, to be that like she's, She's not reckless. She's not like stupid. I, I feel like she wouldn't fully believe that she her blood would cure him. I don't think she believed that. I don't think it makes sense for her to believe that sort of thing. So, you know, she would have taken an extra precaution to tell somebody or duct tape or something. It just didn't make that didn't make that much sense to me from a logical standpoint. But hey, that's just me. Um, I feel that. okay. A uh, few few more things. How we feel about the com commies in the game? They, they they use the word communism in The Last of Us. How crazy! How crazy, guys. Um, I love. Is what do you guys think of the commune and Tommy and the goddamn Hollywood liberals pushing their agenda? <laughs> that's this is the funny thing. Okay, like obviously, you know, anybody that's been listening to this podcast, we are liberally minded. You know, we live in L.A. Wait, We're, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sorry guys. Um, we're inclusivity minded, all that kind of stuff. But I loved how they like in the first five minutes of the show, they've managed to fit in that this is global warming's fault. Like the Cordyceps outbreak is like because <laughs> of global warming. That was great. And then like literally just go like, yeah, it's we're in a we're a commune. You know, we all share everything. And then she's like, we're yeah, communists. This is communism. Where he's like, it ain't like that though. Like Tommy's <laughs> Texas ass doesn't want to like admit that it's some. I, know, I was gonna bullshit. say like the look on Tommy and, and like Joel's face was like pretty funny. Like, yeah, that was great. I, I love how it was like a punchline, mm -hmm. but it's it's true. Like it's cool that like there is a explanation or like a real exploration of like hey this kind of community might be able to exist in a society that's kind of collapsed you know if, if the right people kind of come together i personally really liked all the changes i loved the look of the town of the commune um i loved um the actor that played tommy i thought he just did an amazing job um but that whole sequence you know it's very different from the game too um but what do you what do you guys think of um of that whole change it was great. I uh, some of my favorite parts of the show, kind of what I was alluding to earlier, is just like seeing how the world reacts to everything. You know, whether it's the early days of the pandemic or seeing how a group comes together to still have a thriving, said a relatively thriving, um, you know, town basically or civilization um, commune. 
commune. Yeah, <laughs> was really fun. Because, yeah, I just love seeing, obviously the story is important, but I already know the story here. So I was really interested in just the building of the world and everything around it and seeing how people still coexisted in that world, you know, and lived happily together. Seeing the kids, like, have a movie night, seeing like them have an actual bar. It was really, really fun to check out. That was cool. I, I did appreciate the movie night. That was like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, kids are watching movies in a movie theater. Yeah. Chambers, what'd you think? Um, I... So before that communist joke even happened, I was like, yo, this is kind of communist vibes. And uh, <laughs> it, it kind of reminded me of the the film version of Grapes of Wrath. Like it, they end up like going to something like that at the end of that movie. And uh, even at the end of this show season, like it's kind of is like this salvation like promised land place that they get to um and i guess if it if it would have been the opposite if it was like capitalist land it would have been weird if they were like no if you don't have gold coins you can't have a coat here um or to charge them <laughs> money for everything so it, i mean it it made sense for the show but um yeah i got i got strong like grapes of wrath uh movie vibes um, I, I guess that's where they got the inspiration from to, to put that in. But yeah. Highlight. I thought it was cool because the show over the course of the entire show, they show different versions of what civilization is like in like the apocalypse. So you have military states that are failing. You have raider camps that are failing. The only civilizations quote unquote that are actually doing pretty well and thriving is a super right-wing survivalist like town that he made on himself. But that stemmed from like a super right-wing ideology of doomsday prepping and the government's out to get us. And the other highly successful area is a fucking commune. So I thought it was kind of funny, but also really cool to like have all these different types of civilizations juxtaposed and seeing which ones failed and didn't fail. Like in episode eight, the, the religious cult like that one i think might be like a little bit more like traditional right. and stuff like that and they're struggling so you know last of us is pushing its amazing neoliberal agenda and i'm here for it <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the or it's too. extremely right-wing agenda because well Bill, i was gonna say he's sorry who? go ahead, go ahead. No, Bill, well, okay. like, I was just gonna say the the com the commune is run by a lawyer, or kind of run by a lawyer too, or somebody who used to be a lawyer before. Oh, the that's right, happened. a defense so attorney. I think there's a little mixed messaging going on here, where it's like, hey, our lawyer is yeah. gonna save us all. Maybe that's the message that we gotta take from this whole thing, you know? So who know? And you know, the other thing, actually, if you compare the two of um, the cannibal religious colony in Silver Lake, the yeah. resort town, versus the communist commune, one's a preacher, one's run by a preacher. One's run by a lawyer. How do we take that? Matt, you got an answer for that one? <sighs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Totally I'm pretty, I'm Matt pretty on the agnostic hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I like lawyers, but, you know, not that much. Yeah. Not that much. Um, kind of put me on the spot on that one. I'm, I'm messing. I'm messing. Um, okay. <laughs> let's, let's jump to... Um, the cannibals episode eight. Um, wait, did we ever talk about Kathleen? Oh, were we, did oh, we move we, past Kathleen we too diverged. quickly? 
Skip we diverged. Yeah. We diverged. Lucas, let me start. Kathleen thought. Uh, let me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Kathleen. Cook. Let him cook. Let him cook. Let Kathleen was not the best original character. <laughs> Fuck Kathleen. Um, I thought um, I didn't like her character's motivation. For one, um, I just thought that for someone who supposedly has been so focused on the good of the group and like to try and establish this rebellion, like to work so hard to rebel against Fedra and then have a group and then use the group to to basically fulfill a vendetta against Henry and just like basically convince everybody in the entire group that Henry is the enemy. He's causing all this chaos and all this kind of stuff. I just didn't quite buy the motivation for one. But I also did not very much like the performance from the actress who played Kathleen, unfortunately. Um, that's not a slight on the actress. It's it's not, it, it maybe is a slight on the direction she was given. I just don't think it was the best performance. She felt like a kindergarten teacher who was yelling at her kids in the classroom. <laughs> I don't know if that yeah. was the point. If that's the point, they nailed it. I just oh. don't think it worked. Um, and she was so fixated. Like there was very clear threats that like she was just straight up ignoring. Like, there's like underground infected that like she's like, we'll deal with this after we find Henry. And it's like, lady, you're really like it, w with the world that's been set up here and the threats that have been after you this whole time. It just doesn't seem like something that any rebel leader would actually do. Like, I don't know. I, I wasn't a big Kathleen fan. And I'm sorry. How did like everyone that followed her not think like, yo, her like this is a personal problem like what fuck this lady. <laughs> yeah. like, like no one thought like hey we need to move on from this we're not following this order like uh, i don't know it yeah didn't make any sense i really liked her death scene oh yeah she kind of died i wish she died a little bit harder though I, that kid I, like, fucked her up though it was tight yeah that was cool but i like i wanted a little bit more i wanted a bl the, the bloater to like rip her on bloater killing her right hand man that was pretty cool too yeah, I love how he's Thomas like, "Go, sleeper. you survive, you get out of here," and he just like immediately gets fucking wrecked by the bloater. It's funny as fuck. Yeah, that was Tommy's voice actor. You just said it, Hila. It yeah, was yeah. that was Tommy's, Tommy's voice actor, actor no, Tommy's from voice the game. Actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then no. um, the person who plays Joel in the game is the preacher, right? Or no, it's confused? David's right hand man. Oh, Jason, right, right, David, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're correct. Was who gets killed by? He played the right-hand man of the preacher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he's the one that, that like went and grabbed the medicine while the preacher and Ellie hung out. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, we will jump to the cannibal, you know, commune, <laughs> the can cannibal commune, which was a little bit different in the, it was pretty similar mm -hmm. from the game to the show. I thought it they made a few really solid changes. Um, I really like the actor who was the preacher. If someone could pull his name, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Um, but in general, I want to ask you guys a question here. How do we feel? And this is a big complaint that's kind of been going around the blogosphere, Twitter sphere about The Last of Us. How do we feel about the number of infected that were actually in the show? Not all at once. I, I had no issues. Uh, really? Yeah, the game for me, because the infector are there because it's a video game and you need actions to people to fight against. Um the show's not about the infected. If you want that, go watch The Walking Dead. You'll get your zombies. Um, okay. If you want a show with good writing, come come watch this or play the game. Yeah. So I don't think okay. it's an issue. It's not the the story. It's not the point of the story. The the showrunners have already said that there will be quote more infected in season two. <laughs> Just so you guys know. 
Good to know. Good to know. I think the show needed a little bit more infective, but infective, infected, but it could have been done effectively because when Ellie and David in the game fight off the horde, to me, that was, that's a really, that was a really good way of signaling, like, maybe this dude is trustworthy. Like, we were skeptical at first, but when push came to shove, like, Ellie and David had each other's backs. For a second, you can buy into maybe this person isn't a terrible piece of shit. So I think having something there, like, it didn't have to be a giant horde or anything, but giving an opportunity in episode eight, I think, would have been really, I think, helpful to just have that moment of them buying like okay maybe we could trust each other um and in episode nine i was surprised there was zero infected uh because i think there's that whole sequence and i haven't played the game in a minute like you're in the tunnels in salt lake city and you're fighting your way to the hospital you fight, bit, there's right? like a you fight a bloater actually in a couple clips yeah. you fight infected for real yeah so aside from it would have been cool to see in a finale that was only 40 minutes long, I think that could have been a really good opportunity to show Joel and Ellie more at sync, tackling like the infected and getting through like one last hurdle together uh, before right. the sequence of the hospital happened. So I don't need walking dead levels of hordes, you know, jamming against a prison fence, but I think they became less and less of a threat as the show went on, which is weird considering they're always talking about there's always a reference to the infected in cordyceps just out there. Right. So it's like they don't want to show the violence. They're too worried about the aftermath of the violence, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely felt like like do the infected only live on the East Coast? Like the further west they went, the less and less <laughs> there were. Um, and real. I, I'm, a, I'm a horde guy. I, I would have been down for another crazy horde battle scene because that was definitely like everybody wanted that to happen at some point. Yeah. And I, yeah. I wish I would have gotten something like that. Yeah. Towards the end of the show. Um, but Joel versus bloater. That would have been. Yeah. Epic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th I think the, the, it's an expectations thing, right? Like we we played the mm -hmm. game, so we're probably expecting a little bit of more clickers. There was only like one clicker it, like encounter. I think there could have been like there was one clicker encounter, right? Like in episode two, where they like are sneaking well, through. Well, two, the and then there were a bunch that came out in episode five or six. In episode five, when the bloater came out and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I think it's um, it's an expectations thing for me because we played the game. We probably expected a little bit more action in terms of that kind of stuff. But I also do think for a casual viewer, you're watching a, you know, quote, zombie show or like a zombie outbreak show. You're probably expecting a little bit of a climax that has to do with zombies. But that, that you know, subverting expectations might come through and actually do it a service. But like Chambers said, I mean, I'd be curious or, you know, highlight with the people you watch the show with if they were like, where are the fucking zombies? Like if they were like, hey, like I haven't played the game. I don't know what's supposed to happen, but aren't there supposed to be zombies here at some point? Like, was that question ever asked or and nobody missed the zombies really? Also, like, so they once they leave the hospital in the last episode, they somehow make it all the way back to Wyoming, like very easily. Like it was such a struggle for them <laughs> to get from Wyoming to the hospital. And we that just is how the game like, is, though. <laughs> I know. I know. I know it yeah. is. But. That as just well, they didn't they didn't have a car silly. when they went from Wyoming to the hospital. That's true. Yeah, they had a car on the way back. So, dang. Um, okay, so you know we talked a lot about changes between the show and the video game. I think a lot of this conversation has been motivated by that. 
But um, let's just let's just go through a few ones here, everybody. Um, favorite side characters? Who we got? For me, it's Bill. For me, I think Bill just takes the cake. I, are we on? Are we all in agreement on Bill? Does that count I'm as a side Bill. character? I thought I feel like that was a pretty big character. He's only. Well, in I mean, one the episode. side characters: Sam, Henry, Marlene. I mean, everybody that's not Joel and Elliot. Kathleen. Okay. Tess. Kathleen's bottom tier, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, outside of Bill, because that would have been my pick too, uh, I went with Sarah, actually. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Because same reasons, I think she's one of my favorite characters in the game. She just immediately, like, the the actress, I, I don't know her name, she killed it. It was so good. Um, her death scene was just so good. And for the same reasons, it's good in the game. It's good in the TV show. There's nothing romantic about it. There's no live on dad. It's just like there's a little girl crying in pain and scared, and then she's dead. Like it's fucking brutal. It's so well done. And it's very, very fucking sad. I cried. I cried. (laughs) I cried like two days in a row because I just started The Last of Us. And then like I I cried during that scene in the game. And then I watched the TV show and I cried again. (laughs) It's awful. Highlight, who's your favorite? I'm picking Bill. Bill. I saw him as a side character and Nick Offerman's portrayal, the way they fleshed out his survivalist backstory. Like, that show had a lot of like really funny moments too, where like he's like almost laughing with glee that the entire town is gone and he gets to put up fences and like make it his own. So I think just the way it was portrayed, the way the story was rewritten, like Bill takes the cake. Yeah, as well done. Chambers, were you Bill as well? Uh, team Bill all the way. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, he's definitely like a very complex character, like, yeah, like right wing, like prepper guy with suppressed emotions and um you know I, I thought i thought that was really cool um um fuck i i blanked on what else i was gonna say about him but um yeah no the, team bill all the way for sure okay okay next question for you guys um you know talking bro- more broadly about tv here is this i know you know we kind of hinted that a little bit is this the best best hbo drama of the last five years I thought about that question pretty hard. I don't think I can say that yes or no to that because I already knew the story going in. So I viewed it through a different lens, I think. I think the only person that can truly answer that is someone that had no exposure to the last of us previously. Okay. Okay. I'm going to just say no. Yeah. I think Barry <laughs> and Succession are also better personally. I, I was going to say Succession is my personal favorite HBO prestige television, like triple A drama. Um, but. You know, I I think this is really up there. Like, what's cool about what's happening right now with The Last of Us in terms of broader television is, like, Pedro Pascal is, like, becoming a true A-lister. He just presented at the Oscars last night at the time of recording this, and that was really, really fun to see. He's, like, going doing the night shows, like, the late shows and the talk shows. He's doing Saturday Night Live. It is really, really awesome to see, especially since he's been on The Mandalorian. But, like, I think just because of the way... Just because the costume, he's just not really up front as much as we want him to be. And like visually, it's like, you know, he's a very handsome man. He like has a, you know, just an aura about him that we get to see on the show up front that we didn't get to really see in The Mandalorian. And I think that's really helping him out. And it's just it's exciting to see somebody really get his time in the sun. Um, So I think in terms of broad television, there's there's a lot going on here. Um, what What do you guys think? I hear people talking about him the way they talk about Keanu. I love that. Low-key, low <laughs> I take. see it. That's a really yeah. That's a good take. It's yeah. like a likable dude. 
super likable dude Ex extremely likable yeah. like just can do no wrong right now literally he's just like totally everybody's totally on his side it's it's pretty cool yeah. What do you guys think? Is this where's this rank in terms of like your top TV shows? Highlight. Well, for the HBO question, I have to say not applicable because I think this is the first full HBO show I've ever watched. So, Game of Thrones, really? You never watched that? Surprisingly, no. Everyone wow. thinks right. really. Everyone thinks I'm a mega Game of Thrones fan, and I haven't seen one episode. It's you're just fan. Hilarious. I thought because you're a fantasy fan in general. I, I didn't have HBO. I was too poor in grad school and it's I was too dumb fantasy. to like download them <laughs> illegally. Um, so in terms of overall TV shows, like I think I said earlier, like I would put this on my Mount Rushmore right now. I don't watch a ton of TV, so I don't think it's like I, there's a high bar to clear. But now I do have a high bar between this, Breaking Bad. I'm more of a comedy guy. So if we talk comedies, I could probably talk a little bit more about quality television but for this one it makes me actually want to go back and maybe watch more hbo stuff because i was really impressed with how they adapted the last of us yeah for yeah. sure chambers i know you said you watched white lotus right before this and before that you're watching house of the dragon aka hot d oh, yeah. where's this rank for you i would say it's better than white lotus those are very different shows um and i love white lotus um but man yeah this was this was more emotionally impacting like i was i was thinking about each episode like the next day at work all day and talking to all my coworkers about it like it was a shared experience i had with people because every everyone i knew was watching this show um yeah but uh hot d i do love hot d i would say like all-time hbo it's probably like maybe number five like we got curb Soprano. So it's, there's a lot for it to go up against. Yeah, there's some heavy hitters in there, man. Yeah. But um dang. It's it's up there for sure. By far the best video game adaptation of all time, like no question. But Yeah, I agree. Um yeah. Oh, I I'm sorry to like backpedal a little bit. I remember what I was yeah. going to say about um Bill. <laughs> go for it. Okay, so somebody told me, I don't know if it was one of you guys that Nick Offerman, because he has like a theater background, basically was so good at that piano scene that they had to tell him to like, can, please be shittier at singing because. Yeah. Yeah. That it, was from, was they it. talked about that on the HBO podcast, uh, on the okay. uh, companion podcast for uh, The Last of Us, which is really great. Yeah. Um, you're, you're hundred percent correct on that one. Yeah. I just thought that was a really fun fact. Um, Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like what you said, Chambers, this is, for me, this is the best video game adaption there's just ever been. It's as simple as that. Um, it's, you know, one thing that really helps is it's about a 12-hour long game, and we got about 10 to 11 hours of TV out of it. Um, so I think there was a really solid one-for-one one that was going on. And where they lacked in terms of, you know, a lot of that time in the game is actual gameplay and fighting and puzzles and things like that. Um, where they lacked in that, they just gave more time to side characters where they gave Bill a full episode. They gave, uh, Riley and Ellie a full episode, you know, they gave a little bit more attention to Sam and Henry and their backstory and, you know, their, their whole wantedness in Kansas city. So I think they struck a good balance. They, they did this thing where, you know, the whole game is played from Joel and Ellie's perspective where you're never really leaving their site. You're not cutting to another location or anything like that. But in the show, they were able to take advantage of all that. 
And I think they turned, they, they really did take advantage very well with all that kind of stuff where they said, Hey, like we can now go to David and we can now like, you know, have his struggles outside and build empathy with that character. So maybe like there's a little bit of a conflict inside of the audience about this guy. And they totally did that. And it was totally awesome. Um, I think the f what they did to adapt it needs to be studied by anybody adapting games to TV, especially the God of War folks who are doing that in the near future. Um, you know, where you don't, you're not going to have gameplay, just develop your side characters a little bit more, make them more compelling and, you know, make them, make them stronger characters. And I think, I think that's the formula. That's what you have to do when it comes to this. Cause I never see video, I've never seen video game adaptions do this with as much grace and as much taste as they did here. Can I, can I ask you guys a question? Did, is there actually another video game adaptation that you actually enjoyed? Cause I can't think of one that I enjoyed. Ooh, let me, uh, let me do a quick Does list. Does Edrunners count? Sure. Then like Matt very much enjoyed edge runners. Okay. You're edge runners guy, <laughs> but that's also not live action, which is a caveat. Yeah. I enjoyed mortal Kombat. The, the OG one or like the one <laughs> the that OG, came out. Hell yeah, dude. Ago. Okay. Dude, OG one's goaded. Yeah. That one's good. <laughs> one it's not a, it's not a good movie, but it's, I no, it. no. <laughs> they're actually, I think, I, man, I'm like, I've enjoyed here. adaptations, but in terms of quality, this one's the best because I feel like most adaptations and you guys talked about, I think the adaptations episode, a lot of it is pandering to an existing fan base and hoping to sprinkle enough like Easter eggs or humor to justify them paying to sit through whatever shit they're giving you for an hour and a half. Like I enjoyed the Sonic movie fine. Like it was a cool adaptation, but I wouldn't call it a good movie like Mortal Kombat or anything else. Uh, I think what The Last of Us did that was really unique was find a way to be true to the source material, but build on it in such ways that only TV can, where end games can't. Like with the exploration of like the side characters, as Lucas said, like I kept coming back to, I think you guys mentioned the Last of Us pod, simple story, complex characters. And I think Neil Druckmann gave us his director's cut of that concept um, mm -hmm. in TV. So I think that like the blueprint is there. Bring back people that care about this or like care about what they're doing passionate about it and are willing to make changes for the betterment of the medium yeah so but so i still saying we Sonic don't like mortal Kombat. yeah i was gonna say so are we saying we don't like prince of persia the sands of time jake gyllenhaal 2010 movie oh it's a fucking banner bro Hell the man. uh the assassin's creed adaptation got pretty bad reviews too are you are you guys saying we don't like angry birds rampage with the rock yeah, the Angry Birds movie. Wait, is the Rock movie? Is that based off those Rampage games where you're like playing yes. as a oh, giant monkey? Like, oh, yes, long, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's is this you learning that live? In this yeah, I, I had no idea that was a movie at all. I I, I kind of want to see it though. Now that you say that, we should. There's we should a World have, of Warcraft have, movie once upon a time too, right? Dude, yes. yeah, there was. It was a 2016 movie, and it's a 29 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that high. <laughs> yeah, that high. It's actually tied for the Super Mario Brothers Super Super movie from like 1993 with John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper as, as Bowser, which <laughs> actually that Dude, movie, that movie probably deserves so a rewatch pretty ass. soon. Dude, honestly, it's probably down for, I'm, I, it probably deserves a rewatch with the new Mario Bros movie coming out pretty soon here. 
I think it does. Um, okay, I'll end on this one, guys, um, just because I know we're, we're hitting the time here. You know, the ending. It's pretty much the exact same way that it ends in the game. I was hoping they would do it because I love the ending in the game so much. I talked about it in the, in the video game episode that we just did. It hit just as hard for me. I loved it. I love the camera work. I love they went like close up on Ellie. I thought Bella Ramsey was fantastic in that final scene and nailed the delivery of of that line. What do you guys think? 100%. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit, Matt. That was great. You had to have one hot take. Are you serious? Okay, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That was Matt doing the line. Oh, okay. I was I was gonna get mad. Sorry. These are fastballs, Chambers. You got to keep up, man. No. <laughs> I thought I'm like, oh, Chambers is going in on the bit. <laughs> um, no, the ending was really well done. Um, I will say, the final episode. Actually, I had thought I, I, I texted you this before I watched it, Lucas. I'm like, it's only 45 minutes. I'm afraid it's gonna be really rushed. It was actually very well paced. I thought I was impressed somehow. Um, yeah, I was, I'm not sure. Yeah, 45 minutes was all they needed. It was perfect. And yeah, the ending was so great. You know, you know what I thought was interesting was at the, you know, at the end of each episode, they do like a little commentary thing with the, the actors and stuff. And um, Ellie's actor, Bella Ramsey's like, oh, Ella, or Ellie knows he's lying, but she doesn't, she won't say anything. But I think in the game, it's intentionally like a bit more, you're not sure what she's thinking a little bit more ambiguous. I, I didn't take it as, Oh, she no. Or is like, maybe he, maybe he's only telling like a half truth or something like that. Right. I didn't take it as outright. Oh, he, he, she knows he's lying. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, that's how I, that's how I interpreted the game, but I don't think that was like the one, one direction interpretation, if that makes sense. Like, I think it was still meant to be open interpretation. So I was surprised she, she said that. Yeah. What'd you guys think of the ending chambers? Um, I, d I don't, you guys have played the game more recently than me, but what I, so I don't know if this was in the game as much, but I noticed like, like leading up to like the final, like minute of the last episode, they, they're really good about like having Ellie give like really subtle looks and reactions to Joel, like talking about his daughter and, her like kind of growing suspicion over the episode of like, is this guy just like, like me because he associates me with his daughter? Like, and is he lying to me? Like he, she keeps giving these subtle looks that really like help build up um, when she finally asks him that question. Um, that was a, in the game. She was a little bit more, there wasn't as much as that in the game. In the game, she was actually like inquiring about Sarah more. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. She asked about Sarah a lot more okay. in the game. Yeah. 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 Here's Whereas a question the, for you guys though. Is is Joel problematic for projecting his dead daughter on Oh Ellie? yeah. Hundred percent. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very problematic. That's the whole thing. Yeah. May have he's fucked like, the whole human race. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Literally just just well, you know, I think we talked about it in the episode too on the game, is like he's really coming from a place of like sheer trauma like he's actually he's protecting ellie because like he doesn't want to feel the pain of losing a daughter again and whether uh -huh. he like yes he's projecting the feelings of her being like feeling him feeling like a father and her being a daughter but it's also a circumstance that has created those feelings for him too it's not like he went in going like 
oh, this is my daughter now, or like I'm going to now project all my feelings onto her as a way to like, you know, rid myself of guilt. Yeah. I think all that came about like naturally through through the progression of the season and of the story and stuff. And like he can't help but feel like a father figure in the end. He just can't help but feel that way with like what they went through. Um, and she views him as a father too, um, although that's kind of slowly sliding the other way. Um, Cause she's really interested in him at the beginning and she's really wants to know about him in the beginning. And like, she's kind of like a daughter asking too many questions. And then all that kind of goes away, especially in that last scene. That's one of my favorite dynamics. And it's really showed well in the game more so just because of the nature of it being a game. There's a bit more time, but the way it turns of where Ellie's super interested in Joel and Joel couldn't give a shit. And then there's like a, at one point where they're both kind of interested in each other, they kind of meet in the middle. And then it very much starts skewing where Joel wants to know everything and wants to talk to Ellie and Ellie's kind of like, this guy's kind of weird. Like this guy yeah. probably just like should have let me die kind of thing. I know <laughs> it's a, it's a really interesting way they do that dynamic. Yeah. Well guys, it's, good. Uh, it's, good TV. it's been, it's good. Been good TV. It's been great going on this journey with everybody. I think the discord was really fun while we were watching the TV show. Like, you know, there'd be a fun reaction that was going on. And honestly, I'm just glad that, we finally have our, you know, golden goose, like video game adaption on TV. It can be done. You know, it's like the video game medium works. The storytelling in video games works. It can be translated. It, it, we, we will see good ones in the future. And honestly, I think we're going to go two for two this year because the Mario movie looks pretty solid. I don't know if you guys saw that trailer. Pretty juiced for it. Pretty juiced for it. I'm very, I'm very cautiously optimistic. <laughs> it'll be good. We'll see. I think it'll be yeah. fun to watch. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts on uh, Last of Us TV show? Anybody? The uh, the episode with David proves that somehow Middle America remained untouched throughout the whole thing. Apparently, like <laughs> there's still like horrible like super religious cults and poverty <laughs> and the neighborhoods look like shit. Like somehow it's st it still looks the same. So yeah. <laughs> Dang social commentary there chambers coming in. All high. right. Well, we'll end it there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, well, chambers, if you want the people to find you online, where can they find you? Um, you can, Follow me on Instagram at no pistols. I'm uh my my Discord name is Nutting in Paris. Um, you can add me on there, be my friend, play some games. <laughs> with me. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Can you say that a little bit louder? Nutting in Paris. Um, okay. It's also my Rocket League sure epic name. So if you if you want to run some Rocket League, hit me up. Yeah, love it. Uh, Highlight, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hyalet846 or draw me a line into Discord. I'm there way more often than I should be, probably. <laughs> and Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at GoodIdeaLucas, and you could also find me in the Discord hanging out, talking about The Last of Us, talking about magic. Um, I'm plat in I magic now, mid-plat. I saw I saw you updated your, your, your Twitter profile picture. Are you, oh, are you getting I? active again? I'm getting a little so. active again. Yeah, I guess I forgot that I did that. You, yeah, sent, I'm trying to, you sent a tweet earlier. I was very excited. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a little more active on Twitter, I think, uh, kind of coming with a little bit more of the written content than we've been trying to dive into. But yeah, I, could, I see the smile on your face, Matt. You're really excited about this whole I thing. I love Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of Twitter, <laughs> but well, you know, it's a necessary evil. So plus I wanted to give our, our good old boy highlight a follow. So had to go ahead and do that. 
Do you follow me? I think I followed you. Yeah. Shit. We'll double check on that. We'll talk. We'll talk (laughs) offline. And uh, if you want to hang out with your good buddy Matt, you can find me on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. And all right, everyone. That's all we got. This is Ben. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skibidi boop. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Royal Call Bunch and Red Circle.